0: Welcome to the Real Estate Masters podcast, a podcast with top real estate agents sharing insights of how they've grown their business. Every guest is unique and serves different markets, so you will find value in each and every episode. And now our host, executive coach, April Mack.
1: Welcome. I'm delighted to have you join me on our second episode of Real Estate Masters Please do me a favor, subscribe and give us a review if it's a good one and share with your friends that are also real estate agents. I'm continuing to interview top agents around the country, and in the next episode, uh, following this one today, I'm interviewing a young, blazing agent from Conway, Arkansas, and I'll share a little clip of that interview at the end of this one. But today, in this episode, I'm interviewing Barbara Arredondo with the boutique real estate firm Clay Stapp in Dallas, Texas. Barbara has been a top producer since 2015 and was named Dallas Best Realtor in 2018 and 2018. 2019. Barbara has some wonderful marketing ideas that she shares in this interview and some great tips for those that are new to the business or that do not have a huge marketing budget. Barbara also shares what she did to double her volume in six months, and you'll see in this interview that Barbara is gracious. She is kind. If you've got a referral in Dallas, please reach out to Barbara. So let's get to it. My interview with Barbara Arredondo. Well, Barbara, thank you so much for being willing to be on our podcast. I really appreciate it. And introduce yourself to our guest. Who is the real Barbara Arredondo?
0: Well, I'm, I don't know. I think, I think a lot of people always say, well, don't define yourself by your work, but I do, I love what I do. So I don't really see it as work. So I'll just say that I'm Barbara Redondo. I love everything that has to do with real estate. I am from the Dallas area. I grew up in Houston, moved to Dallas in 97. And so I've been licensed since 2005 and I have a team of two other gals that work with me. And we work for Clay Stapp and Company. That is a brokerage, it's a boutique brokerage in Dallas, Texas, right off of Greenville Avenue, not very far from the SMU location, which is the Southern Methodist University in Dallas.
1: Wow. Love that. And I want to know kind of what does your market look like? What type of properties are you selling? And, you know, tell me a little bit about your market.
0: Well, Dallas market overall, there it's Dallas is really unique in that there's luxury properties, estate properties. There's opportunity for investment properties, opportunity for people who are, you know, low to moderate income. And if they choose to buy, then there's enough to go around. So in Dallas right now, what the market looks like you know, we just went through COVID issues and, and still with the numbers going up every day, it seems like in Dallas again, that the market was, it was turning out to be a great year, January and February, we were just rocking and rolling. It was crazy. I was going to have my best year ever. I felt like, wow. and and then COVID happened and things started to shut down. So it was a little uncertain at that time. But in the last few weeks with the market opening up again, meaning people are starting to go back to work and they're starting to go out, we're now a little more prepared as as a city and our businesses are more prepared. So things are starting to open up. And what we're seeing is those properties in that 200 to 300 range are just flying off the the market like super quick we're in multiple offers already
1: wow it's just a crazy time and in so many people that I'm talking to in all parts of the country most realtors have not seen this kind of market in their career I think or it's not the typical and so it's very interesting to hear how do you deal with multiple offers
0: well you know I think it's it has a lot to do with experience that that's for sure because If you're on the buyer side, and then that's kind of where I'm speaking from right now. If if you're on the buyer side, you're that agent working to get your client in. You always just want to make sure you have really great rapport with the other agent. And when you're submitting your client's offer, it's not just about the terms and the offer. You, You need to sell yourself and how you're going to be the best agent out of the group that has submitted offers to work with. And I think when you assure the other agent on the seller side that you're going to be a great partner and you're going to co-broker this transaction through closing, it really does put you ahead. Mm.
1: That's a very interesting thought because so often it seems like everybody's preparing their buyer and all the things that the buyer needs to do. And I find it very interesting that you come at it from the agent's perspective and what agents do you want to work with and how cooperative is that agent. And I think that's a very interesting direction to come from. But so do you typically work with more buyers or sellers? I'm right in the middle. Usually there are some
0: years where I'll have more than the other, but it's not it's not very, really, very far, far off from each other. So I work with both. It just kind of goes in waves. So mm. at times, like right now, I'm I'm more listing heavy than I am buyer heavy. But in the past, when you have open houses, you know, it's your opportunity to meet more people, get the word out more with eblast and and get in front of your spear because you've got those listings and you're holding homes open. And so then things start to kind of balance out. This is the first time that I've experienced not able to have open houses every weekend. So it's going to be interesting to see how how that pans out. You know, how do I get those, where are those buyer clients going to be coming from now? So that's something that I've been thinking about a lot, working on, devising a plan to get myself and my team out there more so that we can appeal to buyer clients as well.
1: So two questions come to my mind from that. You obviously, you, then you do open houses. And tell me about that. I mean, do you feel like you find a lot of value in having an open house?
0: Yeah, in the Dallas area, because it, it gives you an opportunity to meet more people. And in the area that we're in with Zillow and all of the online searching, buyers are very savvy these days. And I find that a lot of buyers... That's where they go first. They go there, they want to get themselves educated and then they'll go to open houses to check out what the house actually looks like, get a feel for it, get a feel for the neighborhood. And a lot of times those they, those buyers aren't represented at that time because they're doing their own research. So I found that open houses are really great right now. I know a lot of people say that, or have said in the past, that old adage that open houses don't sell, don't sell listings. That to me is, I just don't think that that's true anymore.
1: Yeah. So is there anything special that you do and how do you handle that? Do you have open houses every weekend typically?
0: I used to, but with COVID, that's not the case right now. It's a little different where we were doing like virtual open houses, live open houses on Instagram But when I was doing open houses every weekend, it was just a really great source for, you know, getting buyer leads Mm -hmm. and being able to, and they just not necessarily, they're more like contacts, you know, at the beginning, because you just don't really know how serious they are when they're actually going to get in the market. But it gave us a chance to at least build that rapport and send out information like, thank you for coming to this open house at blah, blah, blah address. And next week, we're going to be at this address. We'd love for you to come. You were in this area. And when we talked, you mentioned that you wanted to be in this area or wanted to be in this school district. Mm -hmm. So come and see us. So it's just really, it gave us a chance to build that rapport with people that we wouldn't normally be in front of. So it's just a whole nother audience that I think is, crucial.
1: Right. And so you're talking a little bit about that marketing. What are some of your marketing techniques and, you know, how you've built your business using marketing?
0: Well, for me, I always want to be innovative and I know we all want to be innovative. And so that that's always on the forefront and technology and how people are using technology now and that's kind of where I like to visit and once i feel like that area is saturated by too many agents i just move on and go to the next thing and and just really go through idea creation and where should we be so that we can we can meet the most people at one time rather than meeting one person at a time so some of the things that i've done lately because i haven't been able to get in front of buyers like i usually had in the past with not being able to go to parties because there are none, Uh, entertainment spots, you know, it's, we're at home for the most part. So how are we getting in front of people? And, and that's really changed. So one thing I decided to do is partner with, there's a group here in Dallas that it's a large women's networking group and they cater to entrepreneurs and so I decided I'm going to start working with them. They have a huge online presence. So let me reach out and talk with them about advertising. And they are always happy to, you know, have that kind of sponsorship or that partnership with, with someone. And they didn't have a real estate agent. I've done business with them in the past. So we talked about how would my group fit in? And so one thing that we did do is uh, create an ad for my team and it's on every page on their website. And then once a month I get on Instagram live with them. Like I just did one yesterday and we take prior to being online, we put out a post and ask on like on Instagram stories, and ask our followers and their followers to submit questions to me related to real estate. And then I will answer them on this next call coming up on Instagram Live, hosted by this specific you know person who's the CEO and founder of the group. And then we just get those questions, collect them. I put the answers together. And then on the Instagram Live, I'm actually answering the questions that were submitted to me. So yesterday I had probably 10 to 12 questions that were submitted. And it took the entire time on the Instagram live, people left it. And I was, I got feedback and also, you know, getting clients from it as well.
1: Wow. That's a great idea. I love that. You know, things have changed so much since I was in real estate and it's just always interesting to me to hear you know, just how people are creative and they market themselves and how they get involved and connect with people. So that's really a great idea. And it sounds like you're constantly trying to think outside the box. So any other just neat little ideas you want to share, some creative things that you think you've done maybe in the past or want to do in the future?
0: Well, one thing that I have done, and I I know that a lot of agents the majority of agents don't have um, the type of budget that maybe somebody like I, like like me, because I, you know, the volume of the business and, and things like that. But if you do get to a point where you're able to sacrifice a little bit of money a month to pay a social media manager, I just feel like that's just been such a great help to me because... We want to focus as real estate agents on selling. And at the same time, we have another problem because we are actually CEOs of our own business. We are entrepreneurs. So we have to run everything marketing, you know, we have to be our own chief financial officer, HR, just every single back end administrative type. Work So how are you great at all of that? And then continue to market yourself and sell real estate. So I think that my tip would be the best thing that I did for myself is hire someone who runs my social media. And I speak to her weekly, sometimes daily, and we collaborate. And so she helps to put that content together and I just show up. And I also help draft the content with my own words because you always want to be authentic. So find someone who knows local, is personable, people gravitate to them as a person. So don't hire like a big company that will say, we will do your social media for you. And then they just put out stock photos. Like if you go to my Instagram, you'll see that, it's a lot of more, it's personable things. So just mm. try to find someone like that. But that's been a great help for me because she keeps the marketing side going. And of course I still have to do marketing, but mm-hmm. she takes a, a, a lot of the lead and it, it helps alleviate some of that burden and time for me so that I could focus on strategically trying to get those leads coming in.
1: Do you have any thoughts or ideas for- from when you first got into business and you didn't have that big budget, what are some of the things that you feel like you did that helped you really grow your business? Well,
0: I am always a big proponent of and I'm surprised that a lot of agents don't do this and take advantage of the things that are out there and free to us. But I don't know how much Yelp really likes me, but you know, the because I don't pay for any advertisement on Yelp, but I've gotten so much business from Yelp. Because I, I created that online profile that's free. Mm-hmm. Also on Zillow, the same thing. And people are so review driven these days. And, mm-hmm. and I, I think it's great that there are platforms out there that allow people to go out, look at the reviews that other people are putting out on your service. And yes, it's scary because I was always scared I was going to get a bad, a really bad review and putting myself out there. But it's really been super helpful to have that because more people want to advocate for you. If you're doing the right things and you're servicing people, you're talking to them, you're delivering hard news when you don't really want to and not communicating good stuff then they're going to help you out and put those reviews after a transaction is closed. So that's really one thing I took advantage of Zillow, put your, create your online profile on Zillow and on Yelp and send those links out to your clients. After you complete a transaction, ask them to help you and and write something great about the experience they had with you. And in the future, people will find you or When you go to a listing appointment and it's not just about the beautiful, shiny marketing material that you take, you can take your link or send your link to them an email and say, I'll see you there at 10 o'clock. And also I just want to share with you my Yelp profile so that you can get a better understanding of what my clients think about me.
1: Mm, That is so great. I have uh, some very good friends in uh, Florida and he, Janny Roofing, I'll give him a shout out because they have built their business basically on reviews and they, you know, work hard to get those good reviews and really promote themselves. And I believe one of the top roofing companies in the state of Florida. So that really makes sense. And I get that and not something that I've thought that much about from the real estate agent perspective. But so Barbara, tell me what do your buyers and sellers love about you? You're getting these great reviews, but what is it about you that they really love and you think stands out about you?
0: I think the number one thing that if you look at my reviews, the common theme is communication. Mm. So while communication is not a strength of mine i don't, I don't know if if you've ever done the strengths finder um right. if you've ever done that but i have I've, I've worked with a business coach in the past as well and so i pretty much know what my top strengths are and what they're not and communication surprisingly isn't even in my top 10 but the thing what that i've learned the trait that i've learned is that If I communicate at all times, even when I don't have in an update or I don't have good news, that's all that people want. Stay in touch. Mm -hmm. And that is, hey, I submitted your offer. I still have not heard from the agent. I did ask her to get back to me in a couple of hours at the very least, you know, and she still hasn't replied to me. But as soon as she does, I will let you know. Mm -hmm. Or Hey, I did receive a response and I've got some bad news. So I'm just going to go ahead and just let you know, this is, this is what happens.
1: I love that. Yeah, and it's so true. And it proves that it might a skill may not be our strength, but we can definitely develop that and work it out. And um, proving that you have done that. And I love that. And what a wonderful thing that your buyers and sellers would say about you, because it's so true that you want to know, you just want to know, people don't want to sit and wonder, have they heard anything? What's going on? And so I think that's a, a great, great strength. What did you think 2020 would look like for you in production? What would your volume have been had COVID not shown up on our doorstep this year?
0: I'll start with other agents. Right now, are they are killing it? Like I know that other agents are doing doing some great business, and the world just shows up for you in different ways. It just does, and and I just have learned that that. Not to compare myself with anyone, you know, stay in my lane and just do the things that I need to do in order to to achieve what I want to achieve. So I, I'm my own competition, and I always say that, you know, to the younger agents, and not not meaning younger in age, just younger in experience. So. Just don't look at anybody else's numbers and do your best. And that's what really matters, doing the best for your clients. And when that happens, your business will do what it needs to do for you. Just, you know, keep that momentum and and keep, keep work, trying to work to convert your leads and to meet new people. Mm -hmm. So 2020 for me. I really felt like the momentum was just so good for January and February. I was closing quite a bit. and What I, is quite I think, a bit? Well, so like in March and April, I feel, I think I closed like over 10 or 12 deals. That was right in the middle of COVID too. Wow. So in January and February, it was more. So I I was doing quite good. But then, so I had in my pipeline for January and February... I did so well that I had enough that I could close in March and April during COVID. And I, and I can't believe I didn't lose one deal during that time because people were losing their jobs. They couldn't get a loan anymore, but we were able to hold those deals together and close them. So I spent so much time, my team and I trying to, to keep those deals together that we were not really looking past what wasn't already in title. Or are, you know, right at that like negotiation to try to get them under contract. So that hurt us a bit for May and June. But so far in, in June, we've closed about four deals. So we're doing okay. It's just not our normal numbers, but things I'm starting to see where it's going to get better and not to make excuses for ourselves, but. And I know other agents that are doing phenomenal right now, they have their clients, the best interest as well. So I know that their heads were down during that time, but that's just what kind of, that's what happened to us. And that's, you know, what we've discussed as a team. So we're just going to keep doing what we do and and not really look at that as anything as a failure. It was just, that's life. <laughs>
1: yeah what it is,
0: it is what it and
1: is. I, I appreciate you being really honest about that because you know some people could try to pad all that and make it sound better than it is and in mm-hmm. reality is is sometimes things are just off, and as you said, it's it's real life, and what would you just say in comparison, a normal month without challenges would be for you about how many closings in a month would that normally be?
0: Well, we would typically have about four to five a month, okay. And, you know, that's a good month. I mean, sometimes, you know, it's more, but. Sure. Yeah. But in in April and May, we had that. I mean, my myself, I had four. And then with my team, we probably had another three or four. Right. So good.
1: How did you develop your team? I mean, I'm sure at one point you were just solo on your own. And so do they work for you? You work together. How is it? Well, one thing I learned, every
0: agent is different, but what I learned from my experience is I had an assistant for many years and they then later got licensed, but an amazing help to me as well and helped me grow and learn from that experience but what i learned is for me my model wasn't to have an assistant at that time i mean at some point maybe i will but but i don't have that and i think a lot of agents like that's maybe like the old school way of thinking they get they get very busy and they the first thing they think of is or they're told is you need to get an assistant now like it's time that model for me i just think it that that's old what I learned from my past experience is the best thing to do is to have two other real estate agents on my team that they're their own, you know, sole proprietors, they, but, but they want to partner up with, with someone like me, who is a lot more experienced and when they have any issues with a deal or we're in multiple offers and they want to win for their client, that's whenever I come in. So I, I will help them negotiate. So I'm a lot of times behind the scenes and it's just more tactical and they win. Does the other agent on the other end know that maybe I was involved? Sometimes they do because sometimes I might have to send an email. Just make only if I have to because they haven't been very nice. And, and we have to be assertive. And then that's kind of where I might come in. But other than that, like that's kind of where we help each other out. If I want to be on vacation, then they take care of, you know, things that I've got in the pipeline. If they want to go on vacation or they're sick, then we all come together and help each other out. So really, they don't work for me. They work for themselves. But I help them get their deals under contract. And they help me whenever I need help with certain things. I don't call on them often, but you know, we have weekly team meetings. We get together. We strategize on how we're going to market. If I've got several leads and I just can't take care of all of them or service all of them, then I'll bring my team on and they'll, they'll help me. Right? Do you work
1: that like as a referral? Yeah,
0: usually, but no, not really. I, I don't do that. I, I Really what I do is, I mean, there's commission involved, right? So I do pay them, but I never hand off one of my clients to somebody else, to another agent. I'm always at the forefront. So for example, if I already am booked and I've got other clients, but this client needs to see another home and that home We know in this market, what they're looking at has they're potentially going to fly off the market super quick. Then somebody else will go and show my client for me. So it's just it's another pair of hands for me. And let's just say that maybe I'm out with a client for four or five hours and I can't run comps. Then that agent who showed that client is running the comps. So we're working together as a team, as a unit. But I'm always the lead for my
1: clients. I gotcha. So you're just kind of, you're really just helping each other out. They help you, you help them, but all your commissions stay to each agent on their own. Is that is am I understanding that correct? Or am I getting too personal?
0: <laughs> no, no, not at all. So in my structure, what what I do is because I am actually like I'm a lead and I'm the mentor so I'm helping them with I'm partnering with them as a team on their transactions then they're under my split but I'm I'm paying, paying me to help them as like a coach
1: right okay that makes sense I get mm-hmm. that and then and- vice versa so if I need their help then
0: you know of course, we're working that transaction together. So I'm going to
1: also pay them. I gotcha. You. So you mentioned a minute ago that you could jump in because you've got an agent that you're working with on the other side of the deal that sometimes is hard to deal with. How do you handle those unpleasant agents? And we know we all know that they exist. And, you know, I can remember back when I sold real estate, you know, there was one person in town, like I never would show her listings. And, you know, maybe only if a buyer just absolutely, you know, definitely. But if I could get around it, I was not showing her listings because she just, you know, she was known as that very hard person to deal with. But unfortunately, there are a lot of realtors that are just hard to deal with. And how do you handle those agents? Do you have any... Advice.
0: I have that same situation that you just described with, um, you know, a couple as well. I think that that's pretty normal. So for anyone listening, hopefully they can go. Gosh, I have that same that same thing, and I'm not alone. Uh I think we all have that. So
1: yeah, and I always just thought it tells me what kind of person I do not want to be, and I don't want to be that person that kind of person to deal with. When I
0: get to that point, that's because everything else that I've done that that usually works doesn't work on this person. So at that point, I'm completely just done. Like, Mm -hmm. eh, I'm just not going to, I won't show their properties, but if my client insists, then I'll send, I will ask one of my teammates if they'll do it for me. Mm -hmm. And that always works just to kind of help cut that negative energy because I just don't want to have it in my life. I don't have room for it. And they, we usually do that for me. It doesn't happen often. So that's normal. But most of the time when, if I have to get involved in, in agents are they're not being very easy to work with. the great thing that I think works is always disarming people in how I started off is just being polite If you're polite and they continue to be rude, it just depends if they're using language or tone that I feel is inappropriate, then I just, I'm very upfront about it. It's like, it just depends if, if and typically people will use a tone with you if they're on text or they're on email and what I will give them a chance and give them the benefit of the doubt and first state, like I'm reading your tone as this, and it may not be what you're trying to convey. So, would you get on a phone call with me mm. so we can work this out? And if they refuse to get on a phone call with me, then I just kind of know that that, that they want to continue using that tone, mm. and they don't want to have that verbal conversation with me because then I'm going to disarm them, and they don't want to. They don't want that.
1: How do so you disarm them? You feel like just by being polite. Yeah, just being polite
0: to them because typically good people will feel terrible about being impolite. Yes. Once you're being polite to them and they know that you've called them out. So they'll, they kind of change, they change their tone a bit because maybe they thought that you were being, you were going to be rude or maybe they, they heard that, you know you may have been difficult to work with on another transaction. Like who knows, like, you know, you're always in that kind of, you know, you just, you just never know. So I think just disarming people is the best thing to do. And then if they choose to continue not treating you in a professional way, then at that point, I just let them know like, okay, well, you no longer have access to me and everything will be in writing. Mm. And typically when that happens, they, I think that they soften up their language a little bit because they know what that means. That if, that if you have, if you're only going to communicate with them through writing, that they better be very careful with what they say, because now you have proof.
1: Right. That's very good. That, that really is. I love that. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I have several agents that are friends and I have working relationships with. And, you know, this is just one of the things that comes up all the time. It's just dealing with these hateful agents and very unpleasant. And it's sad because it makes the whole working experience very unpleasant and can certainly uh, make for a bad day that you wanted to be a good day. So there's so many things that I really want to ask you. And I feel like we're running out of time, but you know, what would you say to the agent that's, you know, just starting out is newer in business or maybe even is discouraged? Do you just have any, any wise words that you'd want to share? Well, definitely
0: start up your Yelp and your Zillow review page. And it doesn't matter if, if you sold or you didn't sell. If you did anything nice for people, like if you created comps to help them dispute their property taxes... Their appraised value, then have that person write a review for you to say, you know, what you did for them. So start that for sure. That way you can start sharing the good news about yourself. The other thing is take advantage of anything like free advertising. If you don't have an Instagram that you're putting things out on, then do that. Start showing your support for community and be local. I think really that's where it starts is if you don't have a client, then start to frequent some really cool places in town or go in. The other thing that, that I like to do that I think is is so great when agent when I see other agents doing this is be the subject matter expert in your local area or in the area that you want to sell real estate. Go out there and select a property or three or four to preview on a day. And if you're able to video or to take some nice pictures of the outside or whatever you can do, then put that on, on Instagram and say, Hey, I found this unique property in so and so don't put the address because you don't want all agents to see the homework or know the homework that you did. You want people to contact you. So you want to put out there that you found this unique property and if, you know, their payment could be this much per month based on the property taxes, the homeowner's insurance and the amount that you're going to pay, put that all on Instagram and ask people to reach out to you for more information on this property and location.
1: That's awesome. Those are are great ideas. And I really appreciate you sharing that because I know there's some agents out there, you know, they just feel like I don't really know what's the next thing I need to do and how do I create business? And so those are great ideas. And I really appreciate, you know, as we're starting to wrap up here, I just want to ask you because... You mentioned, uh, you kind of dropped in there a little earlier that you had a coach. And of Mm -hmm. course I am a executive leadership coach and didn't necessarily plan to talk about that during our interview, but that is what I do. And that is the whole reason that I started the podcast is just because I do coach some real estate agents and have a real estate background from the first part of my life. And now, you know, I feel like I, I love coaching real estate agents just because I'm familiar with business. Of course I can. Coach about anybody, but I really would love to know, you know, what that did for you and what your experience was as having a coach, because I think some people don't even really know what that means.
0: Yeah. Well, one of my strengths is being intuitive. And that said, I just knew this thing about me that I have a great work ethic. I have great ideas. I'm also futuristic. So I can think of things like ideas and be way ahead of myself. But at the same time, because I'm way ahead on ideas a lot, it was always very difficult for me to describe what it was I was thinking or what I wanted to put out or do because I was so ahead of like other people and their thoughts. So I didn't give a lot of people the chance to catch up and it was very frustrating for me. So I knew some things about myself that I had potential, but how do I unlock this potential? And then also bring people on board because I need people to help me further my dream and what my goals were. Yes. You can take yourself only so far. And I I felt like I had taken myself only so far and now I needed somebody to, to help me that was going to be very true and tell me things that Normal friends and other people wouldn't tell me. So the next logical step was for me was I'm going to have to pay somebody because that's the only way somebody's going to be very true with me and raw. So if I pay them then it's like seeing a psychiatrist, right? (laughs) You see a therapist, like they're going to tell you because something that nobody else would, but that's because you're paying them to do that. And that they're the expert in that field. So I knew I needed a coach. Did I want a real estate coach? Did I want a sales coach? What kind of coach did I really need? And ever since working with this coach, like you don't have to stick with, I found that you don't have to stick with the same type of coach all the time. But at this time, what I needed was a coach. Coach that was more of a business, like broad business coach, not just real estate. Because I know how to sell real estate all day long, and I had the ideas. But what do I do in order to right. get out of you know some of the frustration that I was feeling and not knowing the next steps? You know, like leadership and how to lead and and how to listen to people and how to listen to myself. Mm. So I, I found a coach that was really more based like in that whole strengths finder in that Gallup mm-hmm. um, culture. So I found her and um, she worked with me on really working through a lot of more like emotional type things and uh, removing some of the blocks that I didn't even know existed mm. as far as like getting to that next level. And once that happened... I worked with her for three years. So within the first six months, I doubled what I was already achieving in real estate. Wow. She helped remove a lot of
1: that like onion layers. Yeah. You peeled back and yes. yeah, And helped with those self-limiting thoughts, I'm sure. Oh yeah. It was a lot of work. It
0: was painful to do it because you've got to you know, there's a lot of things that you have to face. That you say things to yourself about yourself that you never share with anybody else. Right. But they're they're kind of nagging. And so once I was able to bring all of that to the forefront, and she showed me how a lot of those things were untrue, mm. then I started to understand that how to combat like those kind of little monster thoughts. Mm-hmm.
1: Right. It's sad, but. Typically, we all have those self limiting thoughts, and you know i I love coaching because I believe it just brings clarity to uh people and I like to just put it in in very to a child's level in language and just say that it's a matter of being you know we have thoughts that we we might think about for two minutes, three minutes, five minutes, you know it's something pops in our head and 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 then it's gone, you know, and that could be even a problem, a challenge. It could be anything. And sometimes we need the discipline of just stopping long enough to think something through and talk it through and find the solution to whatever's going on. And we don't typically do that because there's so many things that are just you know, our mind is going 100 miles a minute. And so to have that clarity and to stop and to talk something through and really think something through. And so I love doing that as a coach with others because I, I feel like it's something we don't discipline ourselves to do on our own. But
0: anyway. Yeah, well, it really does help to go, okay, that, that thought that I just had, is it true? Right. Or is that like a story? Because we were so imaginative. And these little thoughts are just intrusive. And sometimes you just have to call it out. Right. Say that.
1: That isn't true. I don't know why I just thought that, but that's not true. Right. Is it a healthy thought or is it a deadly thought? Yeah. And so mm-hmm. it brings life or it brings death. And so I completely yeah. agree. Well, what does the future look like for Barbara? Well,
0: I really want to get my team In a position where we all are very like subject matter experts and everything, we work to our strengths, to each other's strengths. I want to get to a point where my branding and everything about us to empower and to educate is just kind of one of those things when you think of real estate, you see, you know, our faces, my face. And that's really what, you know, my, my short-term goal and long-term is once we are more established as a team to grow that team and, and to continue to mentor, I just want to take a different approach than most teams and a lot of brokerages. So when an agent signs up with a broker, you don't get very much help. And sometimes they might have mentorship programs, but it's difficult to get a hold of that mentor whenever you need help. And I just find that if I keep my group small and we lean on each other, we're always going to want to help each other. And so I'm ready to help mentor my team Mm -hmm. whenever they need me. I'm available to them. They call me at 10. They call me at 11. I'm picking up the phone because I know they need help and we need to get this offer, you know, executed for our client. Right. So,
1: Well, Barbara, there's so many more things that we could talk about and maybe at another time you'll come back and we'll do a second interview, but our time is really running out, but I cannot tell you how much I appreciate you being willing to give of yourself. And I find it so interesting that so many top realtors that I'm talking to and we're interviewing for this podcast are so willing to give back. And I'm wondering if it might be a theme and that's why we're seeing successful people have the heart of generosity. But I appreciate you just taking the time to be with me today and to share so much about your your business and your success. And I know that it's going to be invaluable to so many agents that listen to this. So just thank you so much, Barbara.
0: Well, thank you so much for having me. And, And I I would just love, you know, for anyone in any of the agents that are listening as well, if they it can be, you know, from any state, if they ever have any type of a referral, a client that's moving to Dallas, Texas, reach out to us because we, we would love to service and work with your clients on a referral basis as well. So I think that's one thing that we all we all kind of we're always looking for that network and that great agent that's going to make us look good in another state. And and that's why we go to other agents and ask, have you ever worked with anyone in this area? So I just want to put that out there that if anybody ever is looking for an agent in Dallas to look us up.
1: Absolutely. And we'll be putting your information in our podcast information and bio. So thank you so much, Barbara. I really appreciate your your time and best wishes to you for the rest of 2020. I believe it's going to be a great year.
0: Thank you, April. It was my pleasure. I appreciate it.
1: Well, thank you. I'm so trust that you found value from listening to this interview with Barbara. I'm so appreciative of our guests that give their time to invest in other agents. You heard Barbara mention that she hired a coach and doubled her volume in six months. Have you considered what hiring a coach could mean for your business? I am an executive coach and I love working with real estate agents and real estate teams. Please visit my website to find out more at coachaprilmack.com. I would love to have a conversation with you what coaching might look like in your future. I also want to invite you to be a part of a mastermind group of real estate agents from across the country. If you're not sure what participating in a mastermind group looks like, um, let me just share with you that my mastermind groups are a group of 10 to 12 realtors from different markets. We meet monthly on a Zoom call for 90 minutes. discuss ideas, challenges, and goals in a structured manner. I host these groups and I have a few openings in a group starting in August and also in September. So please reach out. I would love to give you more information. There's so much value in being part of a a mastermind group. I have a special right now just for my podcast listeners. You can join a mastermind group for $79 per month with no registration fee. And I assure you that this could be one of the best investments that you make in your career at only $79 a month, gaining insight from other people that are in the same uh, field that you're in, the same business. So... I assure you, it's a great investment. Iron does sharpen iron. Just visit my website or email me to get more information or to register for the Mastermind Group or inquire about coaching. And you can find that information in the podcast notes. In the next episode, we're going to hear from Zach Saxian. He's with Remax Elite in Conway. He is in his 20s. His business is booming. You are going to love the energy that you're going to hear from Zach and how he built his business in a market that he was brand new to. Here's a little clip of my interview with Zach. And I had a tremendous first year. Um, I think I sold like 27 homes that first year. But I thought, oh, my second year will be just as good because I was a rock star my first year, but it wasn't. There was a good month and a half where I woke up every day and just bawled my eyes out Well, thanks for listening today. Please subscribe, give us a review and share with your realtor friends. Be proactive in advancing your career and join a mastermind group and or hire a coach. I would love to have the opportunity to work with you. Remember, growth is so important in our lives. Living things continue to grow and dead things don't. Listening to podcasts like Real Estate Masters, learning from successful people and challenging one another are all great tools to initiate growth. As scripture tells us in Proverbs, iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. So be blessed, my friends. Until next time, I'm April Mack, and this is the Real Estate Masters Podcast.